that will arise to a new world. Well, good evening from Los Angeles. This is your host, Michael Benner. And you're listening to the Fearless Intelligence Self-Awareness and Leadership Webinar or Workshop or Class, <laughs> whatever you'd like to call it. Happy to be here in one sense in that I love doing programs about self-awareness and mindfulness and emotional intelligence, how to manage stress and anxiety and even channel it into something really positive and productive. And that's our message here tonight. In many ways, given the shocking election of Donald Trump, who was opposed not only by Democrats, but most of the Republican Party, and the course, controversy around the involvement of Russia and the dictator Putin in all of this. There's a great deal of stress, understandably, in the nation. And yet, our focus on resisting and persisting in 2017 is non-political. We're about emotionally intelligent responses I have a lot for you tonight. One of the things I want to talk about is why protest? How do you protest? First of all, and what good does it really do? What are we trying to accomplish? We'll talk a little about the Women's March, about the anti-inaugural activities. You know, it appears that... Uh, Trump has totally struck out when it comes to finding any performers who are going to play music at any of the inaugural balls. He's going to have a number of military bands. He's going to have the Rockettes, those that are still willing to participate, and the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, those who are willing to participate. And that's pretty much it. For a time, the... Uh, Broadway Tony Award winner Jennifer Holliday had agreed to perform, and she backed out a couple of days ago. She said that uh, she realized that her fan base, which is to a large extent the LGBT community, was really brokenhearted at her willingness to perform and so not wanting to offend them. She backed out. I don't think that's really the best reason. I think the best reason to refuse to participate, to uh, boycott the event, to attend alternative events, to do everything to resist, is because it's the decent thing to do. We're talking about a moral imperative. We're talking about decency and civility and, again, emotional intelligence, which throughout the ages, has been called wisdom. I don't think there's any controversy, but that the Trump administration, given his cabinet appointments and Trump's own behavior, is lacking in wisdom. It may have many other things, great wealth, for example, but I don't think anybody, even their supporters, would argue that these are wise individuals. 
So we're lacking wisdom. And what is wisdom? Well, wisdom is not just knowledge, but also an awareness of what is not known. It also speaks to the deeper meaning, to the consequences of one's actions and behaviors. And in just the last week, since you and I were here a week ago tonight, Donald Trump has attacked the CNN reporter, Jim Acosta, their White House correspondent, charging them with fake news, which is not true. Everything CNN said was accurate and worthy of reporting. BuzzFeed, that is controversial, I suppose, because they're publishing rumors, essentially, information that's been collected but cannot be or has not been verified. So that's controversial, the BuzzFeed publication, but certainly not CNN's reporting. And Trump typically made a fool out of himself by pointing with the CNN reporter at that news conference and saying, you're fake news. Now, in my whole life, I don't think there's a better example of irony than Trump accusing someone else of fake news. This is the birther king. This is the man that built his reputation around challenging the legitimacy of Barack Obama, suggesting he may have been born in Kenya, that he was a foreigner, that he was not American, that he did not love his country, that he was a secret Muslim. Six years of this stuff demonstrably false, easily proven with notices from the hospital in Hawaii that proved that he was born there. Maybe Trump didn't know Hawaii was part of America. But to then accuse someone else of fake news is to stand reality on its head. And that's part of what's so stressful and produces the anxiety that we suffer, is this ability that Trump has as a master showman to create illusion and diversion, like a sleight-of-hand magician to turn reality on its head and then inside out, and do it with a quality of emotional passion that is befuddling to a great number of people. And At a time when so many of America's institutions are corrupt and failing, again, this is a non-political look at our social situation. People don't know who to believe, who to trust, or where to turn. And so here we are just days away from the inauguration. When we meet here one week from tonight, Donald Trump will be the president, presumably, of the United States of America, which is like a nightmare that nobody can wake up from. It's just still difficult to get your head around it, to really understand and appreciate the full impact of this insanity that you have someone with the maturity of a five-year-old, a sociopath, a narcissist, with a 
criminal background, uh, a con man who's made millions of dollars cheating people, and his supporters wanted to shake things up. Well, I guess they've done that, certainly. So what are we going to do besides complain? Well, again, what is the value of protest? That's one of the things I want to talk about. I also have an audio mashup, a montage for you that I'm going to play near the top of the programs here that I think, uh, well, again, I'm not sure if enjoy is the right word, but appreciate and benefit from of uh, presidential adages, excerpts from great presidential speeches that are interspersed with classic Trumpisms. You know, when you juxtapose the good and the bad, the right and the wrong, the absurd and the mundane, it often produces a level of awareness that you can't get otherwise. So we'll see if we're able to do that with this six-minute montage I've prepared for you tonight. I also want to mention that one week from tonight, we will have a guest. And if you've been listening to the replay or the podcast of this weekly webinar, you may want to make it a point to be here one week from tonight. That would be Sunday evening, January 22nd, 2017. My guest will be... Andrew Harvey. Now, I've interviewed Andrew several times before. He's a remarkable man. I've spent a lot of personal time with him. He and my wife, or my wife and I, consider Andrew a a personal friend of ours. He's been in our home. We've met his mother. And uh, we love Andrew. He's a, a dear man and a very prolific author. We're going to talk about a book that he's just written about the nature of joy, so that's going to be good, and how is it that joy is different, fundamentally different, from happiness. And we're also going to talk about his previous book, or one of his previous books. Again, he's written or co-authored over 30 books. But we'll also be talking about sacred activism. What does it mean to be a spiritual activist or a sacred activist? And we'll get into that in some detail also. You know, one of the values, ideally, of this program is to help us, you and me, find the words to explain the dictates of our conscience Uh, Phrases like moral imperative, decency and civility, for example, uh, words you don't often hear in America much anymore. And to pose these, put these concepts forward as alternatives to political view. I'm still getting pushback, and a lot of it from individuals left, right, and center who just cannot seem to break out of a bipartisan, binary prison that they've put themselves in. They hold the keys. It's sort of like Otis in Andy Griffith's jail in Mayberry. He's got the keys. He could get out any time. 
Plato's allegory of the cave, for those of you that are uh, familiar with that philosophical story, people who would rather be imprisoned in a world of shadow and doubt and ignorance, in this case, bipartisanship, either this or that, right or wrong, good or bad, all or nothing, uh, winners or losers, the idea that anything that's different is opposite. Boy, that's even worthy of writing down and pondering. Do I believe, you could ask yourself, that all differences are opposite? Two is not a very long list of options, and anytime somebody comes back at you defending Trump or their vote for Trump, there's a lot of shame and guilt in America. Did I really do that? I really voted against Hillary by putting Donald Trump in office. Did I do that? And... A lot of this shame and guilt is still unconscious or mostly unconscious. And so these people get, in their defensiveness, very offensive and they lash out and they will attack you and throw Hillary's name in your face and suggest that if you question Trump or his criminal background or his racism, his bigotry and misogyny, that you must be a Hillary supporter and you trust Hillary and you're just a fool because you're supporting this corrupt machine and the Democrats are every bit as much a part of it as the Republicans and we're all Bernie supporters and how could you do such a thing and so on and so forth, how a Bernie supporter could vote for Trump only because he's the alternative to Hillary. I mean, that it's like you've got to bring, you, you've got to go beyond either or. Bipartisanship, binary thinking, the false dichotomies and false assumptions of either this or that to get to three. Now, that's not a big number, one, two, three. We, we ought to be able to get, there's Hillary, there's Trump, there's Bernie. I mean, this is just an example. And so if you oppose Hillary and Bernie's out of the running, then you have to vote for Trump. That's nonsense. You could have written in your own name. You could have gone to the polls and voted for Every other office and referendum and, and chose not to vote for Donald Trump or write in the name of a superhero. There's lots of things you could have, or you could have voted for Hillary or a third party candidate. I seem to remember there was a Green Party candidate and, and, and others as well. That fella out of, out of Utah, the conservative Republican. There's lots of things. Gary Johnson, the guy that didn't know where Aleppo was. There was that guy, too. Uh, sort of a libertarian candidate. There were lots of choices. You say, well, then I'm throwing my vote away. Well, maybe better to throw your vote away than to install a sociopath with fascist tendencies in the White House. So, not only are we non-political, but we have to go beyond simply complaining and whining 
and allowing ourselves passively to be perceived as disgruntled Hillary supporters and find the words and phrases to educate people that don't know any better, people that are stuck in, oh, I think you probably believe Hillary would have been a boy any time you hear that. You know you've got some educating to do, right? Because this whole base, Donald Trump's whole support base, is built upon fear and ignorance. I hate to say that everybody who voted for Donald Trump is ignorant, but they're certainly not wise, as I said before, lacking in wisdom and understanding. You say, well, how could a college-educated person, I, I, I have difficulty imagining how a working-class person could vote for someone who is a billionaire, lives in an ivory tower, and opposes the minimum wage law and opposes equal pay for women. I mean, the disinformation campaign against Hillary Clinton, much of it coming out of the Kremlin, is a significant factor. I'm also going to share with you tonight a recent post by Michael Moore on six reasons that Congressman John Lewis is right. Six reasons that Trump is illegitimate. And uh, again, why it's good mental health to protest. Why doing whatever you can do, creating, as we suggested last week and the week before, these urgent action teams, networking with your friends, being prepared, I used to do emergency disaster preparedness uh, here in Southern California. I worked with the city, uh, city of Glendale in Los Angeles County. I worked with the American Red Cross in Glendale and La Crescenta. And we did a lot of emergency management work. And we had disaster action teams that were always prepared and ready to go. We had go bags in the trunks of our car with everything that we would need so that in a disaster, an emergency, or a crisis of some sort, boom, you jump in the car and off you go, and you've got water in the trunk and a hard hat and a first aid kit and a radio, and you're all prepared. You're ready to rock, right? People in Southern California do this for earthquakes. People in the Midwest prepare for tornadoes. And that minimizes their fear. It doesn't do much for the danger. I suppose you could argue that it minimizes the danger, although the tornado remains potentially just as dangerous. The earthquake remains just as dangerous as before but you've minimized the likelihood that you're going to suffer as a result. And even more importantly, you've, you've minimized your fear, stress, and anxiety because those feelings of dread and despair and distress signal what you do not understand. Let's do this audio that I have prepared for you. This is a little mashup that I put together today. 
of uh, great presidential adages, I'll say it that way, interspersed with classic Trumpism. So this is only about six minutes, and uh, it goes pretty quick, so listen carefully. I think you'll enjoy this. It's all about juxtaposition. Here we go. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. One of the great sleazebags of our time. We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States until our country's representatives can figure out what the hell is going on. The command of the Constitution is plain. There is no moral issue. It is wrong, deadly wrong, to deny any of your fellow Americans the right to vote in this country. He's not a war hero. He's a war hero. He's a war Five hero. And a half years He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you. And I want to say something to the school children of America who were watching the live coverage of the shuttle's takeoff. I know it's hard to understand, but sometimes painful things like this happen. It's all part of the process of exploration and discovery. It's all part of taking a chance and expanding man's horizons. The future doesn't belong to the faint-hearted. It belongs to the brave. The Challenger crew was pulling us into the future, and we'll continue to follow. Excuse me, sit down. You weren't called. Sit down. No, no, sit down. No, no, I'm not. Sit down. Go ahead. I have the right to ask the no, you don't. You haven't been called. I have the, I have the right to ask the Go back to Univision. No, Go ahead. You cannot deport 11 million. Go ahead. Trump. You cannot deport 11 million people. You cannot deport a 1900 war. You cannot deny citizenship. To Sit down, please. You weren't called. I'm a reporter and I have one contender. Go. You cannot tell me. I have the right to ask a question. Yes, can you say order? I have the right to ask a question. Yes, go ahead. Uh, that's Jorge Ramos <laughs> of Univision. Yes. He's being escorted out of the room. It's not about you. 
not about that. Get out of my country. Get out. This is not like, about I'm a, you. I'm a U.S. citizen, too. Well, whatever. No, Univision, no. It's not about you. Univision. It's not about you. It's about, it's about the United States. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we proved once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. You know, you could see there was blood coming out of her eyes, uh, blood coming out of her wherever. Someday, for all of us, it'll be our last day. And what will matter were all the steps we took along the way and what they amounted to. Uh, do you want to add I was stuck on that someday maybe your last day line. <laughs> I thought that was pretty damn profound. <laughs> He hit my hands. Nobody has ever hit my hands. I've never heard of this one. Look at those hands. Are they small hands? And he referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee He said to me that when you become a grandfather, you fall in love all over again. And that's what happened. Last night, my granddaughter, nine and a half months old, for the first time when I walked in the room, she said... Oh, there's your granddad. And she turned around and pointed at me. That was worth more than anything anybody had said or done for me or paid to me or anything else. And I don't know about the Sundays. Everything you said about it is true. Yeah. Last Thank night, God. last night, my granddaughter spoke to me in Mandarin. <laughs> he was begging for my endorsement. I could have said, Mitt, drop to your knees. He would have dropped to his knees. He was begging. I gotta use some tic tacs just in case I start kissing her. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. It's just it. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the pussy. I can do anything. So there's your new president of the United States of America, the leader of the free world. And you wonder why you're nervous, why you're stressed why you're anxious, and why a program like this needs to target, not politics, we're not concerned with the future of the Democratic Party. I mean, I, I care about things like campaign reform. I think when it comes to politics, there will be no way of redeeming the high level, extraordinarily high level of corruption in American politics without campaign finance reform. That's at the root. That's the core of the corruption. Money. Follow the money. It goes back to Watergate. This audio mashup is designed to really create the awareness, to promote the awareness that this is not a normal situation. This is not a matter of politics. And those of us who are resisting and persisting in 2017, protesting the inauguration of, of Donald Trump, are not simply disgruntled Democrats. There's much more at stake here. 
than politics. Now, Michael Moore today posted in his Facebook account six reasons why he agrees with Congressman John Lewis. Six reasons that Moore would agree that Donald Trump is an illegitimate president. And again, the irony is Trump is the king of the birthers. This is the man who year after year after year claimed that Barack Obama was illegitimate. Now, he didn't really believe that. Birthers didn't really believe, none of them believed, really, that Obama was not an American citizen. It was a dog whistle call to racists. The vast majority of opposition to Barack Obama, I think any social scientist would agree, the vast majority of his opposition was based in the fact that America is a slave nation. We committed genocide against the native indigenous people and then brought slaves from another continent and fought a civil war over attempts to free those human beings from their bondage, after which we had Reconstruction and decades of Jim Crow, which persists today, especially among the uneducated working-class white, for whom white superiority is about the only thing they have going for them. This is a lot like Russia's strategy. If you can't build yourself up, you tear other people down. That's at the heart of racism toward Barack Obama, the uh, African-American population of the United States, many of whom have been here far longer than their white oppressors. This is the same thing Russia is doing, unable to build themselves up, having a GNP roughly the size of Italy's, in spite of being geographically the largest nation in the world, Russia can only tear us down. So they're working with Trump to break up NATO and our European alliance. Brexit is part of this. Uh, Taking advantage of the refugee crisis in Europe is part of this. Anything to break down the West will, in a relative sense, elevate the status and prestige of Russia. Now, what Russia has on Donald Trump, we don't know. Frankly, I don't know whether, I have no way of knowing whether these allegations of the sex tapes of Donald Trump in Moscow in 2013 that BuzzFeed published, I don't know if that's true or not. That may be what Russia has that's allowing them to blackmail Trump, to hire Paul Manafort in the first place as a paid mouthpiece for Russia. It more than likely, in my opinion, and this is only my guess, has to do with hundreds of millions of dollars in debt that it's likely... Donald Trump owes to Russian oligarchs. There's a handful of men in Russia who became billionaires, not millionaires, but be like boy, billionaires overnight when the Soviet Union broke up. 
And it's mostly a small aggregation of individuals around Vladimir Putin. His friends, his comrades, his colleagues, his buddies. And they're known as the Russian oligarchs, and they're worth billions and billions of dollars. Well, Trump created so much bankruptcy in his past, crashing casinos as part of a perverse business plan to stiff vendors and contractors to not pay his employees, use the bankruptcy laws of the United States to refuse to pay the people he owes money to, and nevertheless pocket millions and millions of dollars. And so the banks refused to lend him money after a certain point, and he had to go to banks in Europe, in Russia, in China, and elsewhere to borrow money. And knowing the way Trump does business, there no doubt was some underhanded dealing that was going on. And that's just my feeling. That's my opinion. I have no way of proving that. So we have this blackmail situation, and this is the reason that Congressman Lewis suggested that Trump is an illegitimate president. He's a fake president. And as they say, it's ironic that the birther king who accused Barack Obama of being illegitimate now is in a position where he's the president and by all appearances an illegitimate one. So I sympathize with John Lewis. I understand if I were a congressman, I would not go to the inauguration. I would march with the women the following day on the 21st. And wherever you happen to be in the United States and perhaps even elsewhere in the world, there are protest marches you can participate in. And again, you say, well, what value is that? What good is that going to do? Well, plus, ask Dr. King and his people how effective marches were. John Lewis himself almost died from a brain concussion administered by a state trooper in Alabama when they were marching for civil rights. So marching, like boycotts and and uh, the bus strike and other protests, work. But moreover, it is a way of channeling your stress and your anxiety into something productive. It's a way of releasing the confusion and the distress, the despair and the dread that comes from not understanding what's going to happen next, just feeling out of control, feeling overwhelmed, and um, having to deal with leaders who are reckless and unstable and insecure. So Moore's post includes six reasons why he agrees with Congressman Lewis that Trump really is illegitimate. And I thought I'd share those with you, giving attribution to Michael Moore, who I have a lot of respect for. Say what you will about him. He's an easy target, right-wing 
is terrified of Michael Moore, so they attack him. But again, <laughs> I think he's a pretty bright guy. So here they are. Michael Moore's six reasons that Trump is illegitimate, posted today, the 15th of January, on uh, Facebook. He first points out that Trump's opponent, Hillary Clinton, actually won the popular vote. He said, nothing, including an arcane racist section of the Constitution, can change, he's talking about the Electoral College, can change the fact that three million more Americans voted for Hillary Clinton than for Donald Trump. Now, is it a democracy or not? If Donald Trump had won by three million votes, I would sadly admit that Trump is the president the American people wanted, but that's not what happened. The Electoral College was a concession to the southern states after the Civil War, concerned that urban areas were going to dominate and wanting greater influence, even though it had a smaller population. The southern states won a concession and instead of having a direct democracy in which you vote for the presidential, vice presidential candidates of your choice, you vote for electors. And electors then, as you know, determine who the president is. So how is it that Hillary Clinton could win the popular vote by nearly three million people and still lose the election? It's the Electoral College. And uh, on top of that, there's evidence that as many as 7 million votes weren't even counted. And this is part of the voter suppression activity that has been going on state by state, not only in the South, but all through the Midwest, where Republican legislatures have rigged the game and uh, suppressed the vote, even tactics as simple as closing polling places in neighborhoods that are strongly Democratic while keeping the polling places in Republican uh, neighborhoods open. Michael Moore's second point is to question Trump's mental stability, frankly, pointing out that his behavior on social media, uh, his speeches, the Two news conferences where he had hysterical fits and uh, certainly, I mean, to say he was not acting in a presidential fashion, completely devoid of any dignity or civility, is evidence of this sociopathology, this psychopathy of narcissism and OCD. He has the an attention span of about, well, at most a minute or two. And so, to quote Michael Moore, speaking of Trump, he is not well. He's not well and he needs help. He has a number of serious mental disorders that make him unfit to hold office, and they're on display every day. In one cringeworthy tweet after another, 
He's a full-blown malignant narcissist. These are Michael Moore's words. He displays sociopathic tendencies. He will say one thing and 30 seconds later say the opposite. He's disconnected from truth and has a stunning lack of human empathy. These behaviors make him a truly dangerous occupant of the Oval Office. This lack of empathy, in addition to the enormous ego, which demonstrates severe insecurity, and you can see that in his thin-skinned attacks, he just can't let it lay. He, you know, <laughs> attacking Jim Acosta, uh, fake news, attacking Meryl Streep for her concern about his mocking of the disabled, and then attacking a civil rights hero and icon, John Lewis, for suggesting that this whole thing is illegitimate because of Russian hacking. He just can't let it lay. He's got to respond. He's, again, it's like having a five-year-old in the White House. You know, that may defame five-year-olds. Thirdly, Moore says the Russian government interfered in the 2016 presidential race. Again, quoting Moore, the Russians interfered with the election in order to get him elected. Even Trump now admits as much, and that alone makes the election tainted and should be voided. We spend trillions on ridiculous weapons and ineffective policies, state-style homeland security measures to defend us against those who would destroy our way of life, but too often remain silent when a foreign government is caught trying to get their candidate elected as our president. And they succeeded. This is a joke of monstrous proportions. And the fact that conservative Republicans and patriotic good old boys are actively defending this foreign aggression into our country confirms to me what I've feared all along, that they really hate our form of democracy, our Bill of Rights, our belief that all men are created equal, our one-person, one-vote system, that whoever scores the most points wins, and that people of all religions are welcome here. They do not believe that. And I'd respect them so much more if they would just simply admit it. It's odd that the right wing would wrap themselves in the flag and then look the other way when we're invaded by a country that's led by a dictator that kills his opponents and murders journalists, invades sovereign countries in Eastern Europe and deliberately targets and bombs children in Syria. I say children and other civilians. I'm running short on time here. I've got 10 more minutes, so I'm going to continue through this quickly. Number four, Michael Moore also accuses the FBI of interfering in the 2016 presidential race. He says the FBI clearly chose sides in FBI Director Comey's interference in the 10 days before the election most definitely tipped the balance to the FBI's preferred candidate, Donald J. Trump. He says 
that her own federal police would so brazenly attempt to throw the election to the person with the least votes is mind-boggling, frightening, and must be stopped. Attorney General Lynch must immediately, today, appoint a special prosecutor to investigate what, to me, appears to be a criminal offense. If this is true, I want to see FBI Director Comey in handcuffs and behind bars. Short of murder and a few other heinous acts, is there a worse crime in our democracy than the highest-ranking cop in the land attempting to throw the election? It's odd that the Attorney General of the United States has just pointed at the Chicago Police Department and accused them of grossly inappropriate applications of force and violence. And here in Los Angeles County, we had a trial against our former sheriff, Baca, and in a hung jury, and recently the district attorney just a couple of weeks ago, decided he will retrial Sheriff Baca for lying to the FBI. So, again, the corruption is widespread from top to the bottom. In his fifth point, Moore says Trump's Secretary of State nominee would enrich himself by dropping sanctions on Russia. Again, to quote Trump, I'm sorry, to quote Michael Moore directly, Trump is nominated in Rex Tillerson, the most powerful corporate CEO in the world, as our Secretary of State. Why would the quarter billionaire, head of the world's richest corporation, want a government job? So that he, a personal friend of Putin's, can get the U.S. sanctions lifted off Russia so that his company, ExxonMobil, can get back to their exclusive oil deal with Russia, which will eventually net ExxonMobil $3 trillion. This is nothing less than a bold, audacious robbery in broad daylight. And it says a lot about you and me that they think that they can get away with it. I think they can get away with it, too. Because Americans generally are not that sophisticated and are well-informed. I mean, how many times do you have to hear, I hate Obamacare, but get your hands off my Medicare. And I actually like the Affordable Care Act, but we've got to repeal Obamacare. They're all the same. (laughs) We're all part of the same thing. Arguably, Medicare and Medicaid is different from the Affordable Care Act, which is still based in private health insurance. But nevertheless, this inability... I heard one guy say not long ago, he said, what I hate most about Obamacare is that President Obama named it after himself. And then there was the sign we used to see at the Trump rallies, Keep the government's hands off my Medicare. (laughs) This is uh, largely uninformed America. These are Fox News people, and we've got a number of studies that say that people who watch Fox News are less well-informed than people that watch no news or read no news at all. So it's disinformation. It's not just that they're uninformed, they're being lied to, and They love Fox because it tells them what they want to hear, reinforces their prejudices.
And number six, finally, Michael Moore says that Trump would not be a legitimate president because of his criminal background. And again, I quote Michael Moore directly at this point. Trump has potentially committed a number of felonies, and a felonies or a felon simply cannot sit in the Oval Office. He says in parentheses, I can't believe I even have to say this. Continuing, Moore says, from his admitted sexual assaults to whatever he's hiding in his tax returns to possibly evading taxes to his committing fraud with Trump University to his long list of conflicts of interest, the chances of us having to suffer through his impeachment trial in the Senate is just too much to bear. I mean, let's not forget that only days after his election, Donald Trump settled the Trump University class action lawsuit alleging fraud. Trump wrote a check for $25 million, which whether he's technically admitting guilt or not, demonstrates guilt. You don't write a check for $25 million. I don't care how wealthy you may be. Unless you're guilty in trying to avoid going to jail. So those are Michael Moore's six reasons that he agrees with Congressman Lewis. Six reasons that he believes also that Trump is an illegitimate president. Now again, I somehow lost my internet connection I may have to patch all the recordings together to get a full podcast out of this. My apologies if you were listening live. Not sure exactly what happened there, but uh, we'll check that out. And so if you put a question in the text box or if you press star 2 on your telephone asking to participate, I apologize this week. Just nothing I can do about it. Got to accept the limits of your control in this world rather than stress out about it. So I'll patch this up, put it together, and we'll have the replay and the podcast available for you. And again, join us next week on the 22nd of January when my special guest will be author Andrew Harvey talking about sacred activism and also about his brand new book on joy and the celebration of joy. Real personal joy is available to you. It always has been within you. And what are we doing to block that joy? And how is joy different from happiness? How could we be not only happy, but joyful, happy for no reason, especially given this situation. Two days after the inauguration, we're going to talk about joy. So please don't tell me I'm not being positive. (laughs) Thanks very much for being here. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. So long from Los Angeles. That will arise. 